0: All right, welcome to Faith Life 365, podcast number 12, and we are talking about hindrances to faith. Now, if you missed past podcasts, you can go back, listen, and get caught up. In podcast 11, we continued talking about how a lack of understanding of the new covenant is a hindrance to our faith, part two. And in part two, we started talking about the old covenant and God's blood covenant with Abram and how God changed his name to Abraham. Now, in this podcast, in part three, we're going to continue talking about the Old Covenant. So let's pray and get started. Now, Father God, we come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for your word. Father, we pray that you're going to open our eyes, Father, that we may see in our ears, that we may hear and understand your word. Father, renew our minds. Give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Grow our faith now as we hear and study your word. Amen and amen. All right. Now, let's just jump right back into the Old Covenant here. In podcast 11, we talked about the details of the blood covenant God made with Abraham. Notice that when God first approached Abram or Abraham, he made him promises. Now, from here out, I'm just going to refer to Abraham and not Abram. God didn't call him out for any wrongdoing. He didn't come up to him and say, I'm God, you shall do this. You know, you've been doing this wrong. That's not what he did. God made promises to Abraham. And Abraham believed God and had faith that God would follow through on his promises. Abraham was 75 years old when he called him to leave his country and his relatives. Now, he didn't balk or question God. He just believed God. He had great faith. He packed up and left his native land and relatives to follow God's promises. He had a lot of belongings. That was a big caravan there. It wasn't like him and his wife, you know, and, and, and a couple of goats. You can only imagine what his family's saying. You're 75 years old, and you're packing up, moving? You don't even know where you're going. But you see, right from the beginning, Abraham believed God. He had great faith in God, and because of his faith, Abraham pleased God, and God counted him as righteous. That's huge. Now, Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, New Living Translation, And Abraham believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. So not only did God count him righteous, he called Abraham his friend. In Isaiah uh, 41 and verse 8, English Standard Version, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Hmm, The King James Version capitalizes the word friend, meaning they were in covenant together. He was a covenant friend. Genesis chapter 13 tells us the story of Abraham and Lot separating because their livestock had grown too large to share the same land. They were, they were very prosperous. Abraham gave Lot the choice of land, and Lot chose what appeared to be the best land in the Jordan Valley near Sodom. Lot eventually moved his family into Sodom, but Sodom was a wicked place. Now Genesis chapter 18 verse 1 tells us that the Lord appeared to Abraham in the heat of the day. The Lord told Abraham that in one year he would return and Sarah would have his child, Isaac. The Lord, along with two angels, left headed to Sodom. Abraham left with them to see them off. Now let's read what happened next in Genesis eighteen seventeen to 33 in the New Living Translation. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, the Lord asked? For Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised." So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah because their sin is so flagrant. I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. The other men, the angels, turned and headed towards Sodom. But the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? I mean, suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Will you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing, destroying the righteous along with the wicked. Why, you would be treating the righteous and the wicked exactly the same. Surely you wouldn't do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Wow, that's pretty bold. Well, God is treating Abraham as a friend and a blood covenant partner. He talked to Abraham about his plan to destroy Sodom. Abraham humbly but boldly challenged God, should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? Well, God didn't get angry with Abraham. He negotiated with him. And the Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. Then Abraham spoke again, Since I have begun, let me speak further, my Lord. Even though I am but dust and ashes, suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? The Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people there. Well, Abraham continues to negotiate all the way down to 10. So finally, Abraham said, Lord, Please don't be angry with me if I speak one more time. Suppose only ten are found there. And the Lord replied, Then I will not destroy it for the sake of ten. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went on his way, and Abraham returned to his tent. But ten righteous people could not be found in the city. The angels went to Lot's house and told him to gather his family and get out of Sodom immediately and to not look back. If you know the story, you know Lot's wife did look back and was turned to a pillar of salt. Lot was Abraham's family, and God honored Abraham and rescued Lot and his two daughters from the destruction of Sodom. God upheld his promise to Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis chapter 21, verses 1 through 7 in the New Living Translation, the Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born, and Sarah declared, "'God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age.'" And by the way, the name Isaac means laughter. Years after God will test Abraham to see if he has total faith in him and will truly uphold the blood covenant. So in Genesis chapter 22, verses 1 through 19, this is the English Standard Version. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said to this day on the Mount of the Lord, So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Now Abraham was 100% faithful. He did not question God. He did what God said. Could you imagine having the faith to offer your child if God called you to do this? Now as Abraham obeyed God in total faith, God is now committed to do the same. As Abraham upheld the covenant, By being willing to offer his son, God is now committed to offer his only son, Jesus, as a sacrifice for all. Are you seeing now how the old covenant is bringing us into the new covenant? Notice it was a three-day journey for Abraham to get to the land of Moriah. He took two unnamed servants with him. When they arrived at the mountain, Abraham told the servants to stay behind. He said, I and the boy will go over there and worship, and we'll come again to you. Abraham didn't say, I will return it to you. He said, I and the boy will return. We will return. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac's back to carry. Now, when Isaac asked where the lamb was for the offering, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb. Now, Abraham bound Isaac, placed him on the altar, raised the knife to kill him for the burnt offering. He had total faith in God and the blood covenant before he ever left with Isaac to go to the Mount of Moriah. He had faith that even if he offered Isaac as a burnt offering, God was going to raise him from the dead. Now, how do you know this? Well, let's look. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19 says in the King James Version, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. So that's in a figure, meaning he had a vision that God had raised Isaac up from the dead. Now after the angel stopped Abraham, God provided a lamb, a ram, whose head was caught in a thicket. Now, what we have witnessed in this scripture about Abraham is a preview to Jesus. See, Abraham took with him two unnamed servants. Well, Jesus had two unnamed men on either side of him when hanging on the cross. If you look through the Bible, you'll see oftentimes two, as in two witnesses, and and referring to two witnesses. So here we have two unnamed servants, and Jesus had two unnamed men on either side hanging on the cross. Abraham put the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's back, and he carried the wood To the burnt offering site. Well, the cross was laid on Jesus' back to carry to the site of his crucifixion, where he shed his blood and became the sacrifice offering for us all. The ram was caught in a thicket. Thickets have thorns. So the lamb had thorns wrapped around his head, caught in the thicket. Jesus had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. Abraham traveled three days to the site. Of the burnt offering and was going to offer Isaac on the third day. Jesus arose on the third day. So by Abraham following through with his blood covenant with God and offering up his son Isaac, God was bound by the same covenant to offer up his son Jesus. The Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem is currently controlled by a Muslim council called the Walk for W A Q F, not sure if I pronounce it correctly. It's located on the old Jewish Temple Mount, King Solomon's Temple. Now it's believed this rock is the location where Abraham built the altar to offer up Isaac on Mount Moriah. In 1 Chronicles 21 and verse 18 of the English Standard Version, Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Oran, the Jebusite. The threshing floor of Oran, the Jebusite, was on Mount Moriah. Now King David did as God instructed He purchased both the land and oxen to offer up as a burnt offering on the altar after it was built. David later wanted to build a temple for God, but God would not allow him to build the temple because he was a man of war. However, God gave David the plans for the temple, and David did gather the materials for the building of the temple. And the temple was later built on Mount Moriah by King David's son, King Solomon. Jesus was crucified on Mount Moriah. The ultimate one-time sacrifice was made when God offered up His only begotten Son so that we may be saved, cleansed of our sins, made righteous before God, and receive eternal life. God gave us the new covenant through the sacrifice of His Son, Jesus. Now Jesus said in John three sixteen through 21 the King James Version, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. Now, there are plenty of arguments on the exact current day location of where Jesus was crucified, but they are all in the Mount Moriah area. Now, I'm not going to get into all of these arguments. The bottom line is God is a perfect God. He doesn't miss a single detail. Now, I fully believe that Jesus was offered up at the same location that Isaac was offered up. Now, I can't prove it, and I'm not going to try to prove it. it is what I believe, though. Now, the Old Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, initially covered only the Jewish descendants of Abraham. It made it possible for God to bring Jesus on the scene to make the New Covenant. The New Covenant makes it possible for all of us, Jew and Gentile, all of God's creation, made in His own image to receive salvation and eternal life, believing on His Son, Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one. Now, we did not discuss the Old Testament laws called the Mosaic laws, uh, but these laws given to Moses by God were still part of the Abrahamic covenant. Now, under these laws, God made it possible for those under the Abrahamic covenant Abraham's descendants who had become the nation of Israel through the blood sacrifice of animals to receive atonement for their sins. Now the blood sacrifice of animals would cover their sins for a period of time, generally one year, but their sins were never washed clean or removed. Now the root word of the Hebrew word used for atonement in the Bible is kafar or K-A-P-H-A-R, which means to cover. The Israelites, the Jewish people, were given very specific laws to follow, They were given the priesthood. They were given the high priest who would make the yearly sacrifices for the atonement of sins. As a part of the sacrifice, he would take two he-goats. One would be sacrificed and the other the scapegoat. The high priest shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat and then send him away into the wilderness. And the goat would bear upon him all their sins into a land uninhabited. I'm not going to get into the laws or all the sacrifices that were covered in the law for the Israelites. The point I'm making here is that under the old covenant, man's sins were covered, but not washed clean. They were not cleansed or removed forever. They were they were just, just covered for the one-year period. Only after Jesus shed his blood on the cross, becoming the blood sacrifice for all who believe on him, becoming the new high priest for all time and eternity, were our sins washed away, cleansed, and removed forever. Uh, believers. Christians are made white as snow. We are made righteous before God. Our sins are no longer just covered or atoned. They are cleansed and removed forever, as if they never happened. Even though we now have a new covenant through Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed One, we as Christians also share the promises that God made to Abraham. In Galatians 3, 26 through 29 the King James version for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female for ye are all one in Christ Jesus and if ye be Christ then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise so prior to Jesus only the Jewish people who were circumcised in accordance with the Abrahamic covenant, were God's people, and only they could have their sins atoned for in accordance with God's law. Only the descendants of Abraham were heirs to the covenant. The rest of the people and nations were Gentiles, meaning those who were not Jewish or those without God. God wanted fellowship with all of mankind, all nations. He wanted all people to have the opportunity to be redeemed, to become His children, and to be made righteous before Him the opportunity to have eternal life and fellowship with him forever. That is what Jesus did by bringing the covenant. But before I jump ahead of myself, what did we become heirs of? I mean, under the promises of God to Abraham in the old covenant, what are the promises now given to us as Christians? The seed of Abraham, as stated in Galatians 3:26 through 29. Well, let's read and see. Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3 of the New Living Translation. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Genesis chapter thirteen, fourteen through 16. After Lot had gone, the Lord said to Abram, Look as far as you can see in every direction, north and south, east and west. I am given all this land as far as you can see to you and your descendants." As a permanent possession. And I will give you so many descendants like the dust of the earth, they cannot be counted. Genesis 15, chapter 1. Some time later, the Lord spoke to Abram in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, for I will protect you, and your reward will be great. He's offering protection. Genesis 17 and 4. This is my covenant with you. I will make you the father of a multitude of nations. Genesis 17, 6-8. I will make you extremely fruitful. Your descendants will become many nations, and kings will be among them. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants. After you, from generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you, and I will give the entire land of Canaan, where you now live as a foreigner, to you and your descendants. It will be their possession forever, and I will be their God. Genesis 17, uh, chapter 17, verse 19. But God replied, No, Sarah. Your wife will give birth to a son for you. You will name him Isaac, and I will confirm my covenant with him and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Genesis 22, 16 through 18. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and on the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all nations of the earth will be blessed because, or all because you have obeyed me. So what does the Old Covenant, the Abrahamic Covenant, mean to those of us who have believed on Jesus the Messiah, the Anointed One, and confessed Him as our Lord and Savior? It means we are now descendants of Abraham and joint heirs to the promises of God made to Abraham on this earth. Through Jesus, we have become the seed of Abraham. God says, He is our God. And that he will always be our God. We are blessed and our descendants are blessed. We will be a blessing to others. He has promised us the same lands he promised Abraham as we are now his descendants. God will bless those who bless us and curse those who treat us with contempt. God will protect us and all of our reward will be great. We will be extremely fruitful. We will conquer the cities of our enemies. God said he will renew this covenant from generation to generation. Our descendants will be multiplied beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. God said that through us, Abraham's descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. We need to start thinking of ourselves in this manner. We need to understand the promises that we have under the old covenant as the seed of Abraham. But we will learn that we have even greater promises under the new covenant. So, I hope that I have done justice in giving you an understanding of how the old covenant was necessary in order for God to give us Jesus, his only begotten son, and through him the new covenant. And, you know, I'll tell you, if we go back through the entire Old Testament, just looking at the, the blessings and the, the promises made to Abraham, even God made even more promises to the Israelites and, and as, as they progressed through generation to generation in the old covenant. So we didn't even cover all of the blessings and the things that are promised to us. We just kind of scratched on the surface of it. But even that is awesome. Unfortunately, we are out of time again. So I ask that you join us in the next podcast as we continue to talk about the lack of knowledge of the new covenant being a hindrance to our faith. And I want to thank you for listening. And may God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.